by Sky Warren is live, book one in the Rochester Trilogy. When I signed up for the nanny agency, I didn't expect a remote mansion on a windswept aisle, or a brooding billionaire who resents his new role. His brother's death means he's now in charge of a moody seven-year-old girl. She's lashing out at the world, but I can handle her. I have to. I need the money to finish my college degree. As long as I can avoid the boss who alternately mocks me and coaxes me to reveal my darkest secrets. Private Property is a full-length contemporary novel from New York Times best-selling author Sky Warren about secrets and redemption. It's the first book in the emotional Rochester trilogy and it's live today. Go grab it. That's Private Property from Sky Warren. Welcome back to another week of Read Me Romance. Hey, lady listeners. It's Leah and Mel, also known as Alexa Riley. We're back. It's another week. We have Lauren Smith this week. I'm so excited. She brought us a book called Hushed. It's another stepbrother romance. We are getting... Cover's hot, too. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's available in ebook right now, too, if you don't want to wait on the audio. I did see that it was out in the ebook. Even so. the title's dirty. It's like, hush. Hushed. Shh. Don't talk Shh. about it. okay so i have lots to talk about with all the books that i have read this past weekend so i i made a point i you know people love to give me books too for christmas i don't know if people do that with you do they people give you books Mm -mm. i don't know like it's a great problem to have but like tons of people give me books like paperbacks which i'll i prefer a paperback over an ebook i want that tactile delicious experience i don't like it audio's number one and then paperbacks number two i hate reading on a kindle or reading on an ebook i hate it I just, that's the only, I get used to holding it. And when something else is in my hand, a different size, because books come in different sizes and shapes, it feels awkward. Do you try to touch like a paper page to make it scan? Yes, I have. Because I've done that. (laughs) So I got several books. I got a couple for Christmas and I got, you know, just several that I've had that I've just slowly been creating like a stack. And I told myself for the month of March, I'm not buying any new books. I am How's that working only, out for you? Oh, well, it's only the first day. Okay, today's we'll the see. first day. <laughs> and I've, I bought several before today, so just in case. But I'm going to try to just read my paperbacks. I have I can already see the problem, though, is that I read like three this weekend. Oh, wow. So I'm going to I'm gonna read all of them, and I'm going to be like into the first week of March, and I'm going to be like, fuck, now I have to go get more. But I think if, a good you, problem. if you read them all, then you should be able to buy more. I think so, too. That's yeah. exactly what I thought. So I started out this week. Oh, well, I'll say, too, I redecorated my daughter's, her bedroom. So she's turning 10. It's a big 1-0. And so I asked her what she wanted for her birthday. And, you know, she said a couple of little things. And then she said, well, I kind of want to redecorate my room. 
And I was like, well, that's a neat idea. Okay, let's do that. Like, you know, she's not my little baby baby anymore. So let's do something a little bit more grown up and mature. And she has a really cool room that has like really high pitches. It's sort of um, our house. Uh, if you've been following along from the beginning, you know the story about our house renovation. But it took two years to renovate the historic house that we live in now. And the two years was because the second floor was an attic and it was the entire square footage of downstairs and it had nine foot ceilings so we converted the attic space upstairs into a second floor basically we added three bedrooms and two bathrooms upstairs so and and then like a playroom it was this whole big thing we had to get like structural engineers and architects to make sure it could support all this weight and it was like it took two years it took fucking forever (laughs) it did it took forever it was awful and wonderful at the same time, but our house is so amazing. It's it's so beautiful. I'm really proud of it. And like I said, it's a historic Tudor. And if you know that style of home, you know the fronts like got those really sharp pitches and angles and stuff, and it's just beautiful. And so the girls' rooms are both on the towards the front of the house, and they have all those really nice pitches up there. So they have each of them has like their own little like nook too. It's sort of like. Um, like kind of like a little reading nook, like you can go into it and the ceilings are pointed up and stuff and they have these, like pillows everywhere. And it's like if I was a kid, this would be like my dream room. So anyway, so I um, she picked out a color. I told her she could paint it any color she wanted to and she picked teal and it is bright teal. But we just did one accent while like we're on either side and it looks really pretty. So it turned Dad, out so like nice. It. Yeah, so I ended up like surprised her with it. So, how did that go? It was so good. So, you know, that Sunday, my husband was actually, I'm aggravated with him, but whatever. But he worked on Sunday. He had to go, like, go into the office. And I had busted my butt all weekend. And I was so excited to show her. And I had a couple things to finish on Sunday. He was like, well, I have to go into work. But when I come back, we'll show her the room. And I was like, okay. And I kept texting him, like, all day. I was like, how about now? How about now? And he's like, no, I'm going to be late. And then he's finally like, I'm not going to be home to like, bedtime, so, you know, and I was just like, fine, let's show her the room, <laughs> like, so I was like, I'm showing her, I'm not waiting anymore, and I just also want to say, the first time she saw the room, it was without me, like, when we first moved in, I wasn't here, and he showed her without me, so I feel like this is payback, so anyway, yeah, so she, I, I recorded her when she came in, and she was just like, <gasps> she's like, shocked, like, her mouth is open, and she was like, is this my room? Like, it was so cute. That's adorable. I know. She was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, she didn't. I mean, she's such, she's my, you know, she's my really chill kid. Not overly dramatic. Sometimes she gets frustrated and, like, aggravated. But normally just cool as a cucumber. So, that's as excited as she gets. <laughs> but she was really excited. She was just like, <gasps> I just kept looking around. And I had put stuff everywhere, you know. We, uh, I did, did like, you know, a new bedspread and everything, but also when I painted the walls, like I clear, I took everything out of her room, took everything off the walls. So even like moving stuff around and redecorating and stuff and putting up new bookshelves and I got our new lamps and shelving and curtains and art and all this different stuff. And everywhere she looked, it was like something new and it was so, it was so fun to give her that, you know, and she That's was awesome. up there all day. Like she got home from the school day and she was like. She's like, this is so awesome. She just went straight up to her room and, like, you know, was playing up there with her sister. And she was like, I love this room so much. It just made me feel really good. Like, now, does your other work. one want one? 
she immediately asked to do her room. But I told her, I said, when you're 10, you can do it. And she was like, okay. I mean, she's, you know, she's six and a half now. I feel like in two years, she's going to change her mind, you know? Yeah, so I agree. She's still too little, kind of. So, I mean, even in a couple of years, I'll probably redo it for her. But I'm like, you have a, you have like a princess chandelier in your room. Really? What are you going to change? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what else? What else do you want? So anyway, so while I was redecorating my daughter's room, the, I listened to an audiobook while I was painting. The first book I listened to was Dancing with Danger by Kerrigan Byrne. I had that audio and I had started it, but then A Court of Silver Flames came out. And so I just stopped it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back to this because it's a shorter one. But A Court of Silver Flames is like, you know, 750 pages. So I finished that one. I mean, it was amazing. It was, it, it's probably the best in the series, which is, I oh, mean, wow. it was, it was so incredible. Sarah J. Mass is just, she's an incredible writer. Like to be able to craft a world like that. And, and think it, that far ahead. Yes. Yeah. To think four 750 page books ahead. Like, I don't know how someone's brain holds that capacity, but it was like the thing somebody shared in headquarters the other day when it's like, when I love a book, it's always too short. At 750 pages, I still wanted more. That's how good that book was, where it never dragged. It never slowed down. I never fast forward. I wasn't like, all right, skip this part. It was like, no, I want to keep going. I will say I did kind of skim over a couple of the sex scenes because there was so much sex in this book. Ah! But I was so invested in the plot. I was seriously like, okay, great. They're fucking, but what's she going to do in this? You know, like I was... It was kind of one of those things where it was sort of suspenseful and exciting. And there was this really fucking cool story that was happening the whole time that I just wanted to get to it, you know? Yeah. But one of the books, I went to Park Road Bookstore um, the other day and I picked up like several books. That was the, that's like my local one in, um, in Charlotte. But I picked up The Color Purple because I had never read it. It's by Alice Walker. Everybody probably knows it, obviously, because of the movie. It's got like Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah. You know, it's got all these incredible actors in it. And it, it's, it was so epic to me. You know, it was one of like... I don't know. It was one of the first movies that really changed my heart. And so, like, I remember watching it with my family when it came out because my mom had read the book and she loved it and it meant a lot to her. And she was like, you know, because it's about rural South and it's this black family and it's mostly about this black woman and and how she grows up and the life that she lives and, and, and the horrible things she goes through, but also the beautiful things she goes through. I remember watching this movie, you know, as a young person and, and really being affected by it. And I'd never read the book and I saw it sitting on a shelf and I was checking out and I was like, I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that book. So I read that. Um, I read that on like Friday, I think. I, that was like the paper, the first paperback I read. And it was, it was so good. And it was, it's almost verbatim the movie. Oh, wow. Like there, yeah. Like that, I have to say it's, it really is like page per page. That movie was done so much like the book that it was, it was perfect. Like, I, I, there's a small part of it that's not in it, but again, it's not something that would have, like, changed the story entirely. Like, it was so well done. It's, it's beautiful. And so that was, that was kind of really cool. And part of it was filmed close to me. 
So that was something that was kind of like, well, I always had this connection to it. So that was really interesting. But so I read um, The Color Purple. And like I said, I, I listened to the audio Dancing with Danger by Carrie and Byrne. And it was really good. If you've read the Good Girls series or if you're into historicals at all right now, um, especially because of Bridgerton, <laughs> that one's a great series to get into. But Eagle and I both talked about it because she read it too. And she said that, and we both agreed, she has set it up for the next book in the series. Is gonna, like, we're both like, how do we get our hands on this book? Because all through this series, you hear about like this this guy in this hood, and he's got all these scars. Oh, and I know it's like the <laughs> scarred hero in the back, and he's like this villain too, and he's a bad guy, and his name's Gabriel. And they're like, he's a, like a big like Frankenstein's monster kind of thing. Like he's been so fucked up in the face, this and so gonna, he's going that's to see this be plastic awesome. surgeon. I know we're both like we just need to see what happens, and of course he's like in love with this girl's twin sister. And she's the sister like faints anytime like she gets afraid like she they oh said my no, she has, they're like she has a weak heart she has a weak heart like because she's just like oh you know anytime she's afraid she's just so quiet and meek and I just have a feeling she's gonna be a freak <laughs> so like I can't wait it's gonna be you don't have to be scared of nothing if that's your husband I know right <laughs> that's what I'm do. he's gonna scare everybody. <laughs> I remember I had this uh, friend of mine. Her boyfriend was really, really tall. He, he was like probably seven feet tall. And I and he was a big dude too, like thick and tall. I remember asking him one time, I was like, oh, you know, do you ever get asked to beat up people? And he was like, all the time. Really? And I was like, I was like, yeah. I said, do you ever get asked to like, can you come over and sleep next to my bed if I get scared at night? And he was like, well, I've never had that one. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I need you to do that. <laughs> this can protect me from monsters under the bed. But yeah, so that one's going to be the next one in the Good Girl series by Kerrigan Bird. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know when it'll be out. Probably in the next couple months, but. She's pretty Oh my quick. God. Yeah, she's so, she's got like three or four series. She fucking turns them out. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm excited for that one. And then I started listening to, after I finished that, I started listening to Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And I think it, um, I thought it was Talia Hibbert, but it's Talia. Uh. I started reading that book and I, I voice text you about it today. It is so fucking good. And I would have, I'll say this. I, I don't normally pick up books that have a black heroine in it. And it's because like, I'm what I guess you call it a self inserter. When you read a romance, you either picture yourself or you picture someone that looks like you because it's your story. Like you take ownership. And a lot of romances are written like, and what is that first person where you're like, I did this, I did that. So you see yourself in it. So it wouldn't have been one that I would have picked up uh, just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to read this. It's probably going to be fantastic. And a couple of people had told me like, oh, it's a really good book. You should read it. And I'm like, OK, but my TBR is like 500 books. Like, tell me why I should read this one above everything else I want to read. You know, when this isn't one I would have picked up. And I had never read um, Talia Hilbert before, Hibbert before. And so, um, but the I had um, done a giveaway for Nana Malone, um, and I was saying her name wrong, by the way, last week when I talked about her, but um, it's Nana and not Nana, 
But um, but Nana Malone did uh, she does it's called the Brown Nipple Challenge, and she, every month she picks a book to for her readers to read that has a black heroine in it, or I guess a, a heroine of color. This was one of the ones that she picked, and when I was doing her giveaway, she was like, "Yeah," and I'm doing this for the Brown Nipple Challenge, and I looked it up, and I was like, "This sounds really good. I'm gonna read this." You know, why not? Like, I, so I picked up a paperback at Park Road and they sent it to me. And then I, but while I was waiting on it, they didn't have it in store. And I knew she was doing like the Brown Nipple Challenge video on Monday. And I was like, well, I want to read it before then. And so my paper copy came and I, it right is the time I was listening to audio. So I switched back and forth between the paper and the audio. But holy shit, this book was good. Like, so let me set it up for you. So this girl is like kind of a rich heiress, but she has fibromyalgia. So she's like constantly in pain, but she's not bitter about it. Like she's actually really, her humor is super dry. She's funny as shit. Like she builds webs, uh, like she does web design for people and stuff. So she works for herself. And so she's, she wants to create like a new life for herself because she's on a morning walk because she has to get exercise for fibromyalgia and she almost gets hit by a car. She said when her life flashes before her eyes, she realizes she's lived in fear and she hasn't done anything because she's been so afraid of what's out there. So she makes a checklist of all these things that she wants to do. So she wants to move out on her own and get her own apartment. She does it. And then the there's like a superintendent that's in the building. And this guy's name is Redford. And he is just there to help a friend out. His friend owns the building. So he's there temporarily as their superintendent. But he's an artist. And the way he's described in the book, I pictured the dude from the, from Outlander. Do you know okay. what I'm talking about? Like the big, like auburn, long auburn hair, beefy tattoos. Yeah. Sexy as fuck. And it's British. Like the, oh, the person narrating it, for those who watch Bridgerton, it is Lady Danbury is doing the narration. She is the Duke of Hastings. It's like his godmother that's in the in the show. She's the one that's narrating it. And to hear her say cunt is a fucking blessing from the Lord. <laughs> it is so good. So anyways, so the superintendent does not like her. He's like, every time I see her, she's being so mean to people. And she's like, hey, to be fair, you're walking up in the middle of an argument. You didn't see what happened before and blah, blah. Like she's just busting his balls and he's and he starts to like it that she's kind of bitchy to him. <laughs> and so like she's like really mouthy and kind of a smart ass and stuff. And so he finds out about her list. And let me tell you, the dirty talk in this is so good. It is on point. He is obsessed with her. Like, what, like he gets crazy about, like, looking at her legs and stuff. And he's like, he can't help. Like, he's, like, jacking off to her ankles. Because that was, like, the, oh only, my God. the only, like, piece of skin that he saw on her. But he's also, like, really careful with her and so delicate. And he's mad that, like, nobody really ever took care of her like this before. And that she lost friends and she lost a fiancé a long time ago because because nobody took the time to care for her and understand, like, you know, what's going on with her body. And so all he wants to do is, like, he's like, just shut up and let me take care of you. You know, like, oh, my God, it's so... Good. You sold it's, this really well. I'm telling you, it's so, like it's it is everything you love in romance. It is the hero is steady and perfect and over the top and obsessed with her, 
and hot as shit. And she's like quirky and funny and relatable. And there's like part of her that's just like, I just really want him to eat my pussy. Is that so bad? <laughs> like, you know, like there's this part of her that you're like, yes, girl, yes. So like you're cheering for her and you're cheering for him and for him to like, you know, overcome all his stuff. And, and But there's no real like huge drama or conflict. It's really just about the two of them getting to know each other yeah. and fall in love. And it's so good. Like I'm, I'm downloading everything she's written. I'm going through her catalog right now. This The first book is called Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And again, it's by Talia Hibbert. It's T-A-H-L-I-A Hibbert. And then um, there's a second, there's about three sisters. And so there's a book for each sister. And so like, I'm so excited. The second one's already out and the third one comes out next week. Or yeah, I think it's like the ninth or something. So, and they're all in audio. They're all great. And each that sucks. Uh, you can't buy that third one. Shut up, Melissa. <laughs> I've, got finish, I've got to finish all the other ones. I don't even have the second one. That's what I'm mad about is I didn't buy the second one before I got I was like, well, I'm just going to read this one. And like the paperback came and I was just like, listen to the audio. I was like, I can't get to this fast enough. And I was like, fuck, I don't have the same one. <laughs> so... I am going to wait, though. I do have, I'm going to finish this, and then I've got, um, oh, I'm also going to read Spoiler Alert. Hold on. This one, Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade, and this is the one the girl was telling me about at the bookstore, and from what I remember, this girl does cosplay, like she dresses up, and she has a friend online that she talks to that does cosplay too. And then she, something about in real life, she meets this guy and he realizes it's her, but she doesn't know it's him. And he's like, how do I tell her she's in love with me that she's in love with her best friend, but that's me. And so like that. So that, that sounds think, adorable. That's, yeah, this sounds really cute. A spoiler. I haven't read it yet. I did. I posted up because I said. I didn't want to ask the girl in the bookstore because she wasn't like, um, she, I didn't know if she read romance, but she was like, oh, I really love this book. It's really sweet. And she kept talking it up and I was like, I'll get it, you know, whatever. And then, so I, I messaged on Instagram. I was like, do you might know if this has sex in it? And it does. So I was like, okay. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so I'm going to read this one after I finish, uh, get a left clover. I'm going to read this one. So, but Oh my God, I, I don't know how, but I felt like the past couple of books I've had, I've just been knocking at home. So, so I'm excited about that. Oh, so are you reading anything right now? You read a lot. I'm reading uh, enough for the both of us. I know. <laughs> Let me see. I did read a couple of things. Um, I read Falling for Irish by Katie Rias, which was Ooh. a really cute one. It's second chance romance, but they've only been apart for two months. Oh, so, so and he still like wants her. He doesn't know what goes wrong, mm -hmm. but it's a strong heroine. There's a lot of suspense in it, and you really don't know what's going on. You're like, what the hell? So <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. What else mm -hmm. did I get? Do you know? I I hate sometimes that. I have so many stipulations about the romance that I want. Me too. Because, like, there was a book the other day that I sent you, and I was like, hey, find out if this is safe, because it sounds really good. 
And you sent back a thing. You were like, have fun with that one. And I was like, no. That review <laughs> because it scared wasn't. me. I was like, I'm out of here. His review was like, it was like, oh, God, the cheating. And I was like, no, that's so You're terrible. like, rip my heart out. I'm like, I'm good where my heart is. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want my heart to hurt. And I think that's why I like this Chloe Brown's book so much. It's like nobody's breaking my heart. And I'm just loving the shit out of it. It's so good. You know, I I don't think there's anything wrong with an angsty read or something that's emotional. That's fine. But when, like, cheating or, like, heartbreak is involved like that, oh, I just can't do that. That's too real. <laughs> what else did I read? I ran a read uh, the new book by Danny Watt called Dear Diary. Of course, it's, um, it's in the Love Daddy series. So you oh, know. of course. Of course it is. <laughs> so it's got some daddy play in it. But what I really liked about this book is, because he's trying to hide some stuff for, from her, is I had no idea what was happening with the suspense. I was like, what is going on? Like somebody was sexually harassing women. He was getting sued. He was trying to hide. He's like, I haven't sexually harassed anybody. So, like, all these people are coming at him. Shit keeps happening. He gets accused of all kinds of crap. And I'm like, what is happening? I don't understand. Like, until the end, I was like, that, it's been a long time since I didn't get it before. Oh, that you didn't guess the end. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I was like. Yeah. Ah. So, that was just an interesting one that I haven't had in forever. And then. cool. Rochelle Page sent me her book over the weekend. Uh. In her love series. What is that one called? They're all got love in them. But I like that one because In Love is what it's called by Fiona oh, okay. Davenport. The hero has to chase her for like 40% of the first book. She's like, no, oh, no. I no. Like and that. he is like <laughs> a steady hero in pursuit. Mm-hmm. He's just oh, like all way. He's like, nope, this is happening. I'm not going nowhere. You're not going nowhere. So that was mm-hmm. a fun read. Yeah, I like those too. So, mm-hmm. That's all I got. I have a lot of books left. Um, like I said, I'm going to do spoiler alert next. And then I have these two books. It's like a fantasy series. And I think they're young adult. I don't think there's any sex in them. They were really highly recommended to me. So there, somebody, a friend of mine, Sydney, gave them to me for Christmas. And it was, uh, there's two books. I have two books. There's a third one out. Hold on. Don't forget any of these books. Um, I'll put in the show notes so you can click on the app. You're in the app. You just scroll down and I'll have a list of all the books for you that we talked about. I did get, I got Cold Queen. I'm going to read that one that by book. Kay Webster. I'm, I'm excited. That's a standalone. There's no other books in it. Is that right? Okay, it actually right, has fantastic sure. epilogues. So you like it to see years and years. So you're, you're good. Okay. So I mean, I wouldn't it. be sad if she did the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Hint, hint. <laughs> um, this one is A Curse So Dark and Lonely by Bridget Kimmerer. And it is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. It's like a fantasy series. But I don't know if there's sex in it. I haven't established that yet. But there is like a romance element to it. So, And then the second book in the series is A Heart So Fierce and Broken. I like the names and I like the covers. They look really pretty. And the reviews are really good on Amazon. I just need to figure out if it's got like sex or not. And then the other one I have, it's called The Beekeeper's Apprentice. And this is like a, this is one where the the older lady at the bookstore conned me into buying it because she was so sweet and she said it was her favorite. And I think it's like a, I think it's like the young Sherlock Holmes, the girl. Uh-huh. I think it's her, one of her books. So I, I have no idea. I just got it. So I've got to read these before I'm allowed to read anything else. So. 
I, want, I can't wait we'll for you to read Cold Queen and talk about it. Oh my God, me too. I know. But I did, I promised Heather that I would read Spoiler Alert with her because she's like, I love to cosplay. This book was totally written for me. So that's what I would read it with her. But, um, what else we got? We should probably talk I'll, about I'll, this. I was going to say, I'll save the, I'll save the rest of our stuff for, <laughs> for Thursday's episodes. Let's talk about Lauren Smith. So, she sent us a book today. It's called Hushed. I'm going to read you the book bio, and I'll tell you all the other stuff she's got out right now. So, Hushed. Again, you can go ahead and get this in ebook right now. Um, it's available if you don't want to wait uh, for the second installment on Thursday. There were three things Henley Cunningham knows about Russell Rawlings. He was gorgeous. He was the kind of hot and sweet sort of golden boy that made a girl simultaneously want to dance and sing like she was on an old-time musical number and drop her panties. Two... She hadn't seen him since she was 15. Three, he was her stepbrother. But looking at him now and remembering all those things she'd wanted him to do to her, her infatuation had been the worst idea in the history of ideas. He's home for the summer after his after her first year of college, and the last thing she needs to do is let her childhood crush cause trouble. But that's just what Russell Rawlings is. Trouble. So, I know, it's so exciting. So, I messaged Lauren Smith and I asked her, I said, hey, tell me what you've got. And she said, I'd love for you to maybe mention my newest release, Tinting Prince Charming. Mel, fucking brace yourselves. Okay. It says, it just came out a month ago. She said, it's a sexy contemporary romance that has full-on ugly, ugly cry level happy endings. Because oh it's it's about a real estate mogul who falls for a single widowed mother and literally takes her to Disney World to stay in the Cinderella Castle suite as one of their dates. Oh, my it's God. straight up fairy tale. I know. It's super cute and adorable while also being steamy. And she said in the second book, so that one's called Tempting Prince Charming. Uh, the second book I'd love for you to mention is Dark Desire, which comes out late April. And is a steamy contemporary romance with light BDSM about a young woman with a painful past. So puts her that puts her in front of a Russian bad boy with dark secrets Ooh, and dark desires. I like Russian bad boys. I know, me too. So that one's called Dark Desires. Um, and she's going to do a giveaway this week of five signed print copies of Tem- Tempting Prince Charming. So there's five winners for that um, this week. So, which I thought that, but I was like, you had me at Cinderella Castle date. So, so get that. I, I love Lauren Smith. I, I cannot stress enough her Dragon Shifter series. The first book in it is Rurik or Gregory. I just finished Rurik a couple weeks ago. Um, they are all so good. The audio is fantastic. Oh my god! I keep meaning to read it. I keep pulling it up on my Kindle again. You know when it starts to get too bad, well, I'll open it and I'm like, I need to get that back up here. Yeah, so you can look at it. I'm telling that book is that first book. Gregory is so it's about a librarian. I know, and like she's in the library and like she reads this book and there's like an alert anytime somebody checks out this book and he gets the alert. He goes and he smells and he senses that it's his mate and like he's on the hunt after that for her, and he's like losing his fucking mind because he's found his mate. It's so good. It's so good. Oh my god, I love that book so much. Um and. Also, I love this because the other day I looked this up because I was looking at one of her. I love her historicals, too. I think she has a a historical with us that she's done before. Yeah. I think it's the Duke and the Duke's twin. I think that's what she had on here. But she has the first book and it's in her. What is it? The League of Rogues. She has she had a new book out in that this week it comes out and I can't get it. (laughs) But 
it just, she has a new book that came out this week in it. But the first book in it, I was looking up stuff on it and I was like, oh, let me just read some of the stuff about it because I was on Goodreads. And one of the things, like one of the first reviews comes out, it's like one star, heroin's too stupid to live. You'll love, it. yeah, this book's great if you like being kidnapped. And I was like, kidnapped? Yes, I do. <laughs> I was like, I and mean, all these people like be, this review. <laughs> you have to be a little stupid to get yourself in a mess. Yes, so let's to get let kidnapped. Go. I mean, she has to go <sighs> towards the dark room so he can come save her. Exactly. <laughs> That's the whole point of romance is to hear me and dumb. But it was like, too stupid to live. Great if you like kidnapping. I was like, Sign me up. <laughs> so that's the first book. It's the it's wicked. I think it's Wicked Designs or Wicked Desire, but um, in her League of Rogues series, and it's so good. I love that book. I love that whole series. But the first book, like, I mean, so it starts off. I want to say the the heroine's like eighteen or something. She's like this guy's niece, and the hero. Like, either the guy owes him money. It's been years since I've read it. The guy owes him money or something like that. And to get back at him, he takes his niece. And he plans on ruining her. He's like, I'm going to fuck her and ruin her to get back at him. But then he does. And he's like, well, she's mine. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's so good. So, yeah. It's a little kidnapping. A little nasty. But, anyways. So, Lauren Smith, again, she's brought us um, the step romance today. It's called Hushed. You're going to get the first installment. We'll see you guys in just a second. This is Hushed by Jay Smith. Read for you by Ramona Master. Chapter 1. The Intruder Incident. There was someone trying to get in the house. Henley Cunningham bolted up out of her bed, straining to hear the sound of the doorknob rattling downstairs and someone thudding and cursing on the other side of the front door. It took a second for her to shake off sleep as she glanced at the clock by her bed. 1 a.m. Shit. Shit, shit. Henley slipped out of bed and grabbed her keys from the nightstand. While standing in the dark, she slipped one key between each of her fingers to create a dangerous weapon with her fist. Someone would break into the house while she was totally alone. Wasn't that just great? She'd agreed to house sit for her mother and stepdad while they went on a month-long second honeymoon in Europe. The end of her first year of classes had given her a week to get reacquainted with both her mom and the house. Before she waved the couple off and turned toward having a restful first half of the summer alone. She hadn't been particularly worried, because they lived in a safe neighborhood in a safe city. And now, before her quiet month had even started, the house was already under siege. This was just her luck. Henley left her bedroom and crept to the top of the stairs. Because she'd left the porch light on, she could faintly see the outline of someone tall through the opaque glass. She tiptoed down the stairs, still gripping her makeshift weapon. The illuminated figure behind the door fumbled again with the lock and cursed. In an instant, the figure vanished and his footfalls faded. For a long, frightening second, she waited to see if he'd suddenly crash into the door or shatter the glass. But he didn't come back. Heart pounding, Henley leaned back against the wall by the stairs, with one hand pressed flat against her chest, and took several calming breaths. Oh, my God. She had to call the police. 
They would come and do a sweep over the area or something. Jumping at every sound was not how Henley wanted to spend her first summer after college. Why did I watch all those true crime shows this week? She headed straight for the kitchen to get her phone from where she'd left it earlier in the night to charge. After grabbing it from the kitchen counter, she turned the device on. The sound of a door opening kicked her pulse into overdrive, causing her to nearly drop her phone as she whirled toward the back of the house in time for the follow-up sound of the back door closing. Stupid, 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 I left it unlocked. Another thud sounded as something hit the floor near the mudroom, and Henley braced herself with her weaponized fist held out as her other hand fumbled to dial 911. Fuck, someone hissed. She had a nanosecond of warning before a body came barreling into her from the hall. The phone clattered to the ground without her having pressed the call button and skidded out of reach. Not that it mattered. The man, and it was a big man, already had his hands on her. They struggled in the hall, their limbs grappling. She screeched and kicked him hard in the groin. But he dodged the blow and pinned her to the wall inside the narrow hall by the kitchen and stairs. What the hell are you doing, lady? The man demanded. The distant lamp on the side table by the front door cast light across his face. Bright, gorgeous blue eyes met hers. And her world spun wildly on its axis. Russell? She asked in a small voice. Good God, it was him. There was no mistaking the chiseled features, the slope of his patrician nose. It was Russell freaking Rawlings, the last man she'd ever expected to see again, and the man she'd been obsessed with ever since she was 12 years old. There were three things she'd grown up knowing about Russell Rawlings. One, he was gorgeous. He was the kind of hot and sweet sort of golden that made a girl simultaneously want to dance and sing like she was in an old-time musical number and drop her panties. Two, he was barely home. She hadn't seen him since she was 15. Three, he was her stepbrother. But looking at him now and remembering all the things she'd wanted him to do to her, her infatuation had been the worst idea in the history of ideas. What are you doing here, Russell? Henley tried to push him away from her. God, he was freaking tall. She'd forgotten that. What was he, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, he was massive compared to her own five-foot frame. Who are you? Russell's lips, those full, totally kissable kind of lips, parted in shock. Hen? Is that you? Shock widened those baby blue eyes of his, and a sweep of his blonde hair fell across his forehead as he stared down at her. Yeah, who else would it be? Let go of me, jerk. She shoved at his shoulders, but he was like steel beneath the black t-shirt he wore. He leaned back only slightly as though to get a better look at her. You grew up. His gaze raked over her, and she suddenly felt like he could see every flaw, every imperfection. Her body reacted despite her wish for it not to, and her nipples hardened. She was in her PJs, her body barely covered. As turned on as she was, she was also mortified that he was seeing her like this. For as long as she'd known Russell, she'd always felt one step behind, one level below. Just young and small and never good enough. It wasn't his fault. He'd never said anything bad to her or about her. Hell, he'd always been polite and gently teasing. He'd always acted like a young man, 
dealing with a child whose feelings he didn't want to hurt. And right now was the way she'd always reacted when in his glowing orbit. But things had changed. She'd definitely changed. She was a grown woman and not some little starry-eyed kid who'd follow him around. How long has it been? Russell asked, his voice a little soft, a little gentle. He seemed almost as stunned to see her as she was to see him. He released her and stepped back, giving her a better, more tantalizing view of his body, tall and lean with narrow hips and broad shoulders, all perfectly accented by his black t-shirt and dark blue jeans. It's been five years. You don't remember? What are you doing here, Russell? Our parents are in Europe. Yeah, I heard. I'm here for the summer, or at least a month, anyway. What are you doing home alone? What do you mean? I'm house-sitting for our parents. Henley shot back, then frowned. I'm 19, Russ, not 12. She'd been 10 when her father passed away, and only 12 when Russell's father and her mother had gotten married. At the time, Russell was 19 and had already spent a full year at college. She'd only seen him over summers and breaks. Like now, he'd been tall and far too gorgeous back then. Not that she'd really understood attraction at that young age. She'd only known that she loved being around him, which hadn't been that often, sadly. But now, he had that hard-edged beauty men develop in their late 20s. And he was definitely all man, not some college boy, and damn... She had to stop thinking these things. Right. He crossed his arms over his chest. Five years, he murmured before his eyes brightened as though he finally realized what he'd just said. Damn, I guess it really has been that long, huh? His lips curved in a smile, one that still had the power to weaken her knees. Only this time, its effect was so much more potent. It's not a good idea to start obsessing over Russell, she reminded herself. Why did my dad change the locks, he asked. We needed new ones. The old ones were getting stuck in the doors, Henley said. Thank God you left the back door open, kiddo. He slapped Henley's shoulder affectionately, or else I'd be sleeping in my car tonight. He walked into the kitchen, and much to her disgust, she followed him. Just like 12-year-old Henley would have. But this time, she had a great view of his ass, and she wasn't going to miss a second of that. Russell opened the fridge, stared at the contents, and pulled out a water bottle. You want anything? He asked over his shoulder. He was settling right back in like they'd never stopped living together these last five years. The concept was impossible for Henley. She'd developed some serious fantasies about this man, built him up in her head to almost godlike proportions. Now here he was his actual presence reminding her of every teasing thought she'd ever had and tried to ignore for the last couple of years. What's the matter? Russell opened the bottle of water as he faced her again and took a drink. Henley stared at his throat muscles as they worked. I, um, just tired. You woke me up with your whole breaking and entering routine. He snorted a laugh and grinned at her. Damn, it's good to be home. Henley leaned back against the opposite counter, her arms over her chest to hide her breasts a little from view. So you're here for a month? Then what? Henley knew from her stepdad that Russell had finished medical school at Vanderbilt, but she wasn't sure what came next. 
Then I start my residency in Kansas City. Oh. He was going to be close by. Her heart kicked up a notch. It was only a short drive to the city from Lawrence, where her parents' house was and where she went to school at Kansas University. What about you? You've got to be in college now, right? Russell asked, his gaze going over her again. Uh, yeah. Just finished my first year at KU. No shit. What are you majoring in? Architecture? They have a good program there. Look at you building houses, kiddo. Nice job. She flinched at the word kiddo again and tried to duck when he reached for her head, but she moved too slow. He ruffled Henley's hair and she frowned at him, which only made him laugh. He checked his watch, one of those expensive pieces with a brown leather band. As he moved, his forearm muscles rippled and she had to count backwards from 100 not to get turned on by those arms. This was bad, real bad. She couldn't be attracted to him. This was Russell. Yes, they weren't blood related, but their parents were married. There was no way her mother or Russell's dad would be okay with anything between the two of them. Well, Russell said a little more awkwardly, I'll just grab my duffel and go to my room. I do still have a room, don't I? Yeah. Henley was so tempted to tell him that their parents had turned his bedroom into a home gym or another home office. Night, kiddo. He offered her a lazy grin and a wave before heading upstairs, leaving her stunned in the kitchen, wearing nothing but her pajamas. Russell freaking Rollins was back. Russell returned to the mudroom by the back door and grabbed his black duffel bag off the ground. He also picked up the lamp he'd knocked over when he stumbled inside the dark house. Slinging his bag over his shoulder, he headed into the hall and climbed the stairs. His bedroom was two doors down next to Henley's. As he passed her room, he slowed and then stopped to sweep his gaze quickly over her room. Gone were the boy band posters, tennis team trophies, and cork memory boards of photos of her friends. The bright purple bedspread had also vanished. The room now was elegant, with white wood furniture, a frosted blue coverlet, and gold pillows, which were tossed in a bit of a disarray. Her walls were covered in seascapes, which drew him in. He loved the ocean. He forced himself to keep moving. Once inside his own room, he dropped the duffel on the floor by his four-poster bed, sat down on the end of the mattress, and sighed. God, he was tired. Not just from the long car ride, but from the last four years of college and four years of medical school. He was 26, but he felt like he was 100. The exhaustion was why he'd made a decision to come home for a month or two, to rest before he started a grueling residency. With a graceful flop backward on his bed, he stared up at the ceiling. The stairs creaked, warning him that Henley was finally coming up. Russell placed a hand on his chest, tapping his fingers as he listened to her in her bedroom. Drawers opened and closed. Little adorable Henry is not so little or adorable anymore. Five years had turned her into a curvaceous bombshell. He'd been shocked as hell when he'd grabbed her, thinking she was trying to attack him after he'd scared her by practically breaking into the house in the middle of the night. He hadn't recognized her. 
He'd only known that in the heat of the moment, he was holding a gorgeous woman against the wall. When he finally saw it was little Henley, he hadn't known how to react. She wasn't 12. Hell, she wasn't 14 either. She was an adult woman. She looked too tempting in her pajamas, a button-up short sleeve cotton top, and tiny little cotton shorts that barely covered her ass. This isn't good, Russell thought. She was his stepsister. A man wasn't supposed to be attracted to a step-sibling he'd grown up with. Well, technically, he hadn't really grown up with her. He went off to college when their parents had gotten married. A handful of summer vacations and winter holidays did not mean they'd grown up together. She'd been such a cute kid, following him around with her big hazel eyes. Her hero worship of him had gone to his head a little at the time. But tonight, she'd looked at him differently, like a woman seeing a man. He tried to play it cool, call her kiddo, punch her shoulder. But inside, he was a tangle of wicked thoughts and sinful desires. Russell lay on his bed a long moment before he got up and decided he needed to shower. After he left Tennessee, he hadn't showered. He'd just made the eight-and-a-half-hour drive home with only a couple of stops. He dragged himself off his bed and opened his duffel to search for his shower kit. When he crossed the hallway toward the bathroom, Henley's door was closed. She was probably in bed. Henley in bed. That was something he didn't need to think about. With the shower warming, he began to strip. As he stepped under the steam, he welcomed the heat on his sore muscles. It felt good, but the longer he stood beneath the hot spray the more his body warmed in a different way. There was no way he could spend a month here and behave. Until med school, he'd always had a girlfriend. But after, except for the occasional hookup, he'd nearly become a monk. Classes and work were too demanding to enjoy a relationship. The last four years had been one long, dry desert, with the occasional quick oasis. Now he'd have pure temptation living under the same roof, and no one to keep them apart. Russell killed the hot water by flipping the nozzle off and got out before wrapping a towel around his hips. Once he had his razor, he stood facing the mirror as he shaved the slight scruff off his jaw. He was just finishing when the bathroom door opened, and Henley careened into him for a second time that night. Whoa. He steadied her. She jerked her head up and stared at him, eyes wide as saucers. Holding her this close beneath the bright lights of the bathroom, he could see flecks of brilliant green in her eyes. How had he never noticed that before? My God, I'm so sorry. I heard the shower turn off like forever ago. I thought you were done, which clearly you aren't. She was rambling. Her eyes darted up and down the length of him, lingering on his bare chest a bit too long. It's fine. Seriously, I'm done. He didn't immediately let go of her like a good man would have. No, his fingers curled slightly into her skin as he held her upper arms. So I am, I need to, her face turned bright red and her hair created a waterfall around her face as she ducked it toward her chest. Oh shit, sorry. He pushed his shower kit to the back of the counter and then hastily stepped around her to give her time alone in the bathroom. When he got into his own room and closed the door, perhaps a bit too vigorously as the door rattled the frame, 
He leaned back against the wood and groaned. What the hell was he going to do for the next three weeks? Chapter 2 The Farmer's Market Incident Henley woke up to the most heavenly smell, pancakes and bacon. Notes of vanilla and maple teased her eyes open even further, luring her from the comfort of her own warm, soft bed. She glanced at the clock as she left the room. It was half past nine in the morning. She never slept that late. Flashes of last night came back to her, and she jerked to a halt at the top of the stairs. Russell freaking Rawlings was really here, alone with her. She dashed back to her bedroom and grabbed a light robe and put it around her skimpy pajamas. She'd been in so much shock last night, she hadn't even thought about what she was wearing in front of him until she accidentally walked in on him in the bathroom. Her face was still flushed with heat, and she fanned it as she tried to cool down. He'd been practically naked. Towel just barely clinging with all of its might to his narrow hips. Her eyes followed the line of those same narrow hips up to his chest, which only frazzled her resolve not to fixate on him. She was definitely going to have serious fantasies about the lean lines of muscle that formed his upper body. As she stepped into the kitchen, she stopped at the sight of Russell flipping pancakes on the griddle. He was shirtless, wearing nothing but pajama pants hung low, again on those same hips that she was sure would feature prominently in her dreams. His feet were bare, and he looked utterly comfortable here, as though he'd never left. His hair was combed back, slightly damp. Heat pooled inside her, and her throat ran dry as her stomach tightened with this view of him. Morning, he said with his back to her. How did you know I was here? She asked as she took a seat at the bar facing him. With a grin, he raised his spatula to point at the ceiling. I heard the floor creak. How many do you want? He held out an empty plate to her and then started spooning off perfectly golden pancakes. Two is good. She waved him away when he tried to give her more. Bacon? Yes, please. He handed her three slices and then poured them each a glass of orange juice before turning off the griddle. He nodded his head toward the kitchen table and she joined him. They sat across from each other, ironically in the seats they'd always chosen the few times they'd eaten together over the years. But this time she was tall enough that his knee nudged hers under the table. He murmured an apology and shifted away. The table was nestled in a cozy nook that overlooked the terraced backyard of the house. Beyond was a large pool, a pool house, and an outdoor grilling space. I forgot how pretty it is here, Russell mused. It's so colorful. There were dozens of tiered flower beds and pots full of brilliantly blooming bushes and flowers. Her mother loved to garden. She believed in a world of color and the beauty of nature. It's not like that in Tennessee, she asked, thinking of Vanderbilt, where he'd spent the last four years. She'd always thought Tennessee was beautiful, too. Hal and her mother had taken a few vacation days each year to go visit him, but she'd always been too busy to join them because of school. Instead, she'd settled for pictures of Hal, Janine, and Russell posing around his campus. If it was, I didn't notice. His tone was a little wistful as he leaned forward and rested his elbows on the table. Classes and clinics occupied all my time and thoughts. 
There was an obvious cringeworthy awkwardness to their silence. But it had been years since she'd been around Russell. She watched him chew, his strong jaw working as he ate. After a while, he seemed to notice her focus, and she hastily dropped her gaze to her plate before taking several bites of her pancakes. But the feel of his attention made her skin prickle. So, Hen, you got a boyfriend, or... He asked suddenly. Um, what? She replied stupidly as she stared at him. Boyfriend? Or even a boy space friend? He made air quotes around the word space, implying that she had friends who were boys but not romantic. She couldn't help but wonder why he was asking. I had a high school boyfriend, Kevin. We had a mutual breakup last fall. He's at UCLA, and we figured the long-distance thing was not worth it. We weren't that serious. Henley nibbled on her bacon before turning the tables back on him. What about you? No, me either. Just been too busy, except for the occasional... He abruptly stopped. The occasional what? She asked innocently, but she had a feeling she knew what he'd planned to say. When he didn't continue, she grinned cheekily. Occasional hookups? He actually flushed a little as he met her eyes. Oh, well, when you put it like that, I sound bad. How do you know about hookups anyway? You're just a... If you say kid, I will throw a pancake right at your face, Henley warned, and scooped one of her cakes onto her fork to show him she was ready to launch it. He held up his hands in mock surrender. Whoa, easy. I'm just taking some time to get used to thinking about you as an adult. Well, you'd better get used to it fast. Her tone was a little sharper than she'd meant it to be. She finished her breakfast and collected their plates while he grabbed the silverware and glasses. Russell turned on the faucet as they washed the dishes before loading the dishwasher. Are you going to be around all day? Henley asked. You trying to get rid of me, Hen? You know I hate that. It makes me sound like some fat chicken, she grumbled as he reached around her back for another hand towel. The warmth and hardness of his body pressed into her from behind, and she tried not to react. But a flush of insane heat swept through her, and she gripped the countertop to hold herself steady. After a moment, he moved back, and she suddenly could breathe again. Wait, when had she stopped breathing? One of his hands curled around her wrist. You okay? Your face is red. He caught her chin with his other hand and turned her to face him. Oh, yeah, I'm fine, totally fine. I'm gonna go shower. She practically fell trying to flee the kitchen and Russell's potent male magnetism. She'd been attracted to guys before. She'd even had sex plenty of times with Kevin the summer before they broke up. But there was something about Russell. Was it just because she'd always felt totally silly around Russell? I mean, he was supposed to be her stepbrother, so there was no point in thinking about him. But she did, especially in the shower, which only added to her frustration and determination to get out of the house for some fresh air, alone. By the time she'd showered and threw on some jean shorts, gold sandals, and her favorite silk pink blouse with short sleeves, she was ready to run some errands. She'd just made it downstairs when she heard his voice, where are you off to? Russell emerged from the family room. He was in jeans and a navy blue shirt with a NASA logo on it and white Converse shoes. 
He was rocking the sexy nerd look in the best way. All he was missing were glasses. I need to visit the farmer's market for some fruits and veggies. She focused on digging through her purse for her car keys. You want company? He asked, grabbing his keys from the side table by the door. She froze. Say no, just tell him no. It really won't take me that long. She headed for the garage almost at a sprint so she couldn't hear his reply. She gunned the engine of her little Jetta, but it made an awful grinding noise like two chainsaws trying to fight each other before the engine died and the car shuddered pitifully. Damn it. She forgot to put gas in the car yesterday. With a groan, she dropped her head against the steering wheel and blew out a frustrated breath. There was a tap on the driver's side window. She lifted her head to see Russell's groin level with her face. She hit the button to lower the window and he leaned over, resting his forearms on the windowsill so he could look at her. Need a ride, hen? Yes, she groaned again. I finished a research paper yesterday for summer school and totally forgot to put gas in my car. Completely mortified, she rushed through her explanation. Russell chuckled and tapped the tip of her nose with one finger. Relax, it happens to the best of us. He gave her car door a light rap with his knuckles. Come on, I'll drive you. She reluctantly grabbed her purse and climbed out of her car to follow him. So this is it. I'm spending the day with Russell. This wasn't going to end well, but what could she do? The farmer's market was flooded with people. Russell followed close to Henley so as not to lose her in the crowd. Not that it was hard to spot her. The short-sleeved blouse she wore was bright pink and easy to see. Russell may have also stuck to her like glue because the view of her pert bottom in those jean shorts was making him a little crazy. And he wasn't the only one who noticed. Other creatures of the male persuasion were eyeing Henley's backside too. Oddly, Russell had the inclination to punch each and every one of them. She paused in front of a strawberry stand and asked for a sample. The vendor, seeing Russell standing behind her, gave Henley two strawberries on toothpicks. She handed Russell one, and then she pulled her strawberry off the stick with her fingers and took a bite. Her eyes closed as she sighed and smiled. Jesus, he adjusted his pants before he embarrassed himself. Was that how she looked as she orgasmed? No, don't think about that. He shoved his own strawberry almost aggressively into his mouth. He had to admit it tasted good, really good. He wanted to eat one again later and pictured Henley's face as he did. Let's get some. He reached for his wallet and paid for a pound of strawberries. Henley tucked them into her produce bags before they moved on to the next vendor. Oh, I love fresh pineapple. She added one to the sack and without a word, she handed him the bags to carry. It was cute that she just assumed he'd carry them, which of course he would. It also made him want to laugh and kiss her, which of course he wouldn't. Within half an hour, they'd added homemade bread, several kinds of veggies, and some small potted herbs of basil and rosemary to their bags. Hen, are you starting your own garden? Russell winced as he realized he kept calling her hen when she clearly didn't like it. He'd have to try to break that old habit. He juggled the little plastic potted plants in his arms until he settled them safely in one of the produce bags. I really want to cook some fun recipes this summer, and it helps to have your own herbs. Plus, the taste is so much fresher. 
they stopped at one final stand, where a young man who looked to be around Henley's age was unloading fresh eggs and stacking the cartons. He straightened and smoothed out his shirt when he noticed her examining the egg cartons. Hi, you looking for something specific? He asked with a grin as he leaned against the wood post of his stand. Do you have a dozen duck eggs? I hear they're more flavorful than chicken. Henley seemed completely unaware of the boy's interest, but Russell hadn't missed it and he didn't like it. You're right. They tend also to be higher in nutrients, too. The boy picked up a carton and handed it to her. Thanks. How much? She asked. Six dollars, the boy said. Or they're free. If you want to get a coffee with me soon, he winked at Henley. A veil of red descended over Russell's vision. Before Henley could even speak up, Russell pushed himself between her and the egg boy. Here, he slapped a $10 bill on the vendor counter. The boy's gaze shot to Russell. Oh, sorry, didn't know you had a boyfriend, he told Henley, then looked back at Russell. No offense, man. None taken. Russell's deep growl proved he was taking a lot of offense. Hey, caveman, Henley snapped at Russell. Without additional warning, she socked him in the arm. When he turned stunned eyes to her, she realized he didn't have any idea how he was acting. Sorry, thanks for the eggs, she called out to the boy over her shoulder before she dragged Russell a good distance away from the egg stand. What the hell is wrong with you? Henley's hazel green eyes sparked with fire. Wrong with me? Russell glared at her. Yes, the possessive man thing. You haven't seen me in five years, and you just walk into my life in less than 12 hours and start acting like an overprotective brother. Well, you aren't my brother, and you aren't my boyfriend. You have no claim on me, got it? No claim on me. The words drilled into his skull as he watched her stalk toward his car in the parking lot. Shit. He was being a possessive asshole. He'd never been like that before, and he didn't like it. Henley crossed her arms over her chest and stared straight ahead as Russell drove them home. Unfreaking believable. He just went all macho caveman because a nice guy asked her out. She didn't speak the entire ride, and although he didn't say a word either, his gaze kept shooting in her direction every couple of minutes. More than once, he flexed his fingers on the wheel in agitation. Henley didn't care. Let him be upset. He shouldn't be acting like that to her. Hen, he finally said with a sigh. I'm sorry. I don't know what the hell that was. It was rude. That's what it was. Among a lot of other things. Yes, he agreed. Shit, I just... I don't feel like myself right now, he admitted. What do you mean? She finally looked at him. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to be like around you. You're not some cute kid anymore, you know? I'm not cute anymore? Henley had no idea what to think about that. Well, you're grown up. You're still cute, just in a different way. <laughs> Henley snorted and turned her gaze out the passenger window. When they finally parked in the garage and collected their groceries to carry inside, Henley busied herself with putting the new little herbs she'd bought into bigger clay pots. Russell put away the food and tried to start a conversation more than once, 
but she continued to ignore him. Once finished with her task, she kicked off her sandals by the back door. Henley, you have to talk to me sometime. We're both alone here for the next month. You can't ignore me forever. Watch me, she warned, and then leaned over to turn on the water in the sink to fill up the pots. A second later, the water exploded right in her face. Chapter 3 The Flooded Kitchen Incident Now soaked and only taking in more water, Henley screeched and dropped the small clay pot she was holding. It shattered on the floor at her feet. What the? Russell was beside her in an instant, both of his hands trying to cover the spray. Hen, run to the garage and get me a toolbox or something. I can't move. The pieces of pot completely covered the floor around her, making it nearly impossible to avoid the shards of pottery all around her bare feet. The pottery shards were between her and the garage. Russell glanced down and quickly turned from the water, which promptly sprayed over them like a deranged sprinkler. He scooped Henley up by the waist, practically tossed her over his shoulder, and carried her past the broken debris and set her down in the hall where she could reach the garage. Tools, now, he barked. She nodded and ran to the garage. When she grabbed the toolbox off the shelf, a cloud of dust billowed up around her and caused a brief coughing fit. Once back in the kitchen, she watched Russell wrap a kitchen towel around the base of the faucet, but it was soaked, and water was bubbling up around the towel like a volcano. Open, Russell nodded at the chest. I need a wrench. Yeah, that big one. He pointed to one on the top of the pile of tools and Henley handed it to him. As he reached for the tool, the towel fell off the faucet and water sprayed the entire room once again. She reached over and tried to hold the towel in place herself while he opened the cupboard doors below the sink and crawled inside to get to the pipes. After several long seconds of him cranking a wrench, the water trickled to a stop. Did I stop it? Russell asked her. Yeah, you did. Thank fuck, Russell muttered and scooted out from the cabinets. As he sat up, Henley saw how soaked he was. His shirt clung to every thick muscle and his jeans molded to his defined legs. He tossed another wet rag away from him and held the wrench up to her. She took it from him and sat it back inside the toolbox. You stay here, he said as he got up and fetched her sandals from the door so she could put them on and then be able to walk around the kitchen. You want to sweep or mop? Henley asked him. For a second, they both stared at the kitchen with their hands on their hips as they surveyed the damage. Sweep, he said. I'll get the broom and pan. Henley leaned back against the kitchen counter and stared at the absolute wreck of a kitchen. They needed to call a plumber ASAP. Russell scooped up the pot pieces, potting soil, and the remnants of her fresh basil plant. Wait, she rushed to him and rescued the plant with its exposed roots. I might be able to save it. She carried it away to one of the other empty pots and put it inside with a bit of extra soil. She'd have to wait and see how it did. She grabbed the mop from the laundry closet while Russell wiped the excess water from the counters and floors before she finished the area with the mop. By the time they were done, she and Russell stopped and stared at each other before they quickly burst out laughing. Christ, what a day. Russell groaned and plucked at his shirt, which was still dripping wet. 
He twisted the cloth and water fell on the floor at his feet. With a look of exhaustion, he bent to mop up the fresh puddle he'd created. We should go change, Henley said. Yeah. Russell's gaze dropped to her chest. She glanced down and immediately slapped her hands over her chest to hide where her nipples were poking through the rather thin bra and top she'd chosen to wear this morning. I'm just going to... She didn't bother to finish as she fled upstairs in embarrassment. When she got to her room, she closed the door and leaned back against it before she drew in a slow breath. Today had been a total disaster, in more ways than one. She pulled her cell phone out of her jeans pocket and dialed her mother. In this moment, she'd never been more thankful that her mother had gotten the international call and text plan. It was late in France, but her mother would likely still be up. Honey? Her mother answered on the first ring. Everything okay? Yeah, well, mostly. The faucet in the sink is busted. Which plumbing service should I call to come fix it tomorrow? Oh, call Bailey's Plumbing Company, her mother replied. What happened to the faucet? Henley moved away from her bedroom door and slipped out of her sandals while she talked. I turned on the water to do the dishes and it just started spraying us. It was coming right out of the base of the faucet. Us? Who's with you? Her mother's voice sharpened with alarm. Oh, Russell. I totally didn't know he was coming home, by the way. Did you? Yes. Oh, dear. I forgot to mention it before we left. Hal and I weren't even sure he would be there. It was sort of last minute. Russell told us he might go straight to Kansas City if he found a good apartment sooner rather than later. Did he get in okay? Yep, Henley replied, choosing smartly not to mention her and Russell's little misunderstanding when she tried to attack him because she thought he was an intruder. Good. We'll call Bailey's and see if they can work you in. I'll reach out to them tomorrow and give them my credit card. Thanks. Oh, Mom? Henley bit her lip. Yeah, honey? When you and Dad were dating, when you were first dating Dad, was he ever possessive of you? Her mother giggled. Possessive? Yeah, like when you were with him and a guy hit on you, did he get all growly and stuff? Janine was quiet a moment. Her voice was soft when she finally did respond. Yes, there were a few times, actually. He was never creepy possessive. But he wanted everyone to know I was his, so no other man would try to put the moves on me. It was cute. You didn't think it was a bit cavemanish, did you? She asked. Janine laughed. What? No. At the end of the day, he trusted my feelings for him, and he never really got scary like those men you see in the Lifetime movies who prey on women. Your father was just protective in the best way. Why are you asking? Suspicion colored her tone. Did you meet someone? I thought you were busy with summer school. Henley should have seen this coming. Her whole life, she'd played it safe. She'd never even had a curfew because she was never the kind of kid who was out late in the first place. It was completely unnecessary for her mother to start questioning her and exerting that control now that she was in college. Mom, I haven't met anyone. I was just curious. Hmm. Her mother let out a suspicious huff. It's a good thing Russell is there to keep you out of trouble. Uh-huh. Henley almost laughed. 
She'd been alone the whole week before Russell had come waltzing in and everything had been great. With his arrival, there'd been nothing but trouble the last 24 hours. Oh, Hal needs me. He says hello and he wants you to tell Russell to call his father tomorrow. Will do. Bye, Mom. Bye, honey. Henley ended the call and checked her phone on her bed before stripping out of her wet clothes into a comfortable pair of tennis shorts and a t-shirt. Her hair was damp and a frizzy mess, so she braided it loosely over one shoulder. By the time she came downstairs, she found Russell in the living room standing before the TV flipping through channels. He changed into blue jeans and a black Metallica t-shirt. His blonde hair was combed back into place, and he looked like a male model. Why was it men always looked so amazing after getting wet, while she looked like a drowned rat who'd stuck her finger into an electrical socket? Hey, you want to just chill for a bit? Watch something on Netflix? Netflix and chill, huh? She asked, waiting to see if he even knew that Netflix and chill was code for other activities. Yeah. He suddenly stopped scrolling through shows and shot her a look. I, I didn't mean... That you want to bang it out right here on the couch? Henley had no clue why she felt this crazy urge to tease him. Talking about sex with a man who looked like he could get it whenever he wanted was like waving a red flag in front of a bull. Bang it out? He mouthed the words as though shocked. Yeah, bang it out, hump like bunnies, screw my- Whoa, he cut her off. First of all, you need to knock that off now, he said but his lips were twitching as though he was fighting hard not to smile. Henley grinned at him. You really don't know what to do around me, do you? He shook his head with a chuckle. No, and I don't think you know what to do around me either. So these are basic biological reactions we're experiencing. Two people who aren't used to being around each other, now that they're both of an age to reproduce. Henley clapped her hands over her mouth, but it barely muffled her giggle. What? You got that from a textbook, didn't you? No, Russell answered too quickly. Maybe, he muttered. What do you want to watch? He sat down on the edge of the long, L-shaped sectional couch. Something from PBS. She plopped down beside him and tucked her legs up before she reached for one of the soft, fluffy, faux fur throws to put over her body. PBS? You know that's a nerdy channel, right? Russell said. Yep, and I don't care if you judge me. She watched the shows he scrolled through and then pointed. That one, the James Harriet one. What's it about? He asked suspiciously. A vet in Yorkshire, England in the 1940s. Sounds riveting. Russell deadpanned. Just hit play, you smart aleck. She tried to steal the remote, but he groaned dramatically and hit play on the first episode. With a smug grin, Henley settled in beside him and did her best not to think about Russell or about Netflix and chilling. The show wasn't bad. Okay, it was actually decent. Russell usually hated watching anything set before the 1980s. All of those old-timey shows had carriages and horses, so he called them clippity-clops. This James Harriet show was strangely relatable, though. The protagonist was a young man recently graduated from vet school in Scotland who took an apprenticeship position with an older vet in Yorkshire with his own practice. Russell would soon be facing the stresses of residency like James Harriet 
and wasn't looking forward to the grueling nature of it, though he was excited to take the next step in his career toward becoming a surgeon. The thought made him look down at his large hands. He flexed his nimble fingers, remembering all the time practicing the skillful movements he'd need in the future. As the show's first episode ended, he queued up the second one, but took a quick glance at Henley. She was barely awake. Hen, if you're tired, just take a nap, he said. Stop bossing me around, she grumbled before she scooted close to him and rested her head on his shoulders before her eyes fully closed. Henley, he whispered, trying to shake her off. He didn't want her leaning on him because he really liked it and he knew that was a terrible idea. She didn't budge an inch. Russell laid his head back on the couch and sighed. Damn, this sure did feel nice. He inhaled deeply, and a faintly floral scent teased his nose. Henley. God, she smelled fantastic. He shifted slightly to put his arm around her shoulders, and she slid closer, burrowing into him. Something soft and wonderful stirred inside his chest, but he didn't dare let himself think about what it was. Welcome back. Hi. So like I said earlier, if you want to go ahead and get it on ebook, you can. You can get the, um, you can get Hushed right now. It's live. Or you can wait till Thursday and get your second half of this full length book. And go enter to win the five signed copies that um, Lauren Smith's going to give out this week for Tempting Prince Charming. And that book just came out. So you can go ahead and grab that in ebook now too if you don't want to wait. Um, I'm going to grab it. I think it sounds, I can't wait, but I will get it. When it's what if I <laughs> gift you it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that'll work. I have seven books sitting beside me right now. I, I like, like, who am I? Like, something's wrong with me. All right. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.